0: Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And Father, we humbly ask now that you would give us a heart that is receptive to the voice of your spirit and that you would just prepare each one of us accordingly. Lord, take away the distractions in our hearts and our minds, the things that would help us or hold us back from hearing your voice. So please help us, Lord. You know what that means for each one of us in this gathering this day. And we believe that there's something that you want and need to say to each one of us through your living and powerful word. So as an act of worship now, Lord, we offer our heart, soul, and mind to you. And we pray that you would speak to us now. Teach us by the ministry of your spirit and speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, by nature, it seems that we tend to gravitate towards sort of being creatures of habit and people of planning. Uh, By habits, of course, what I mean is we like to establish, all of us do, kind of our little patterns and routines, whether we're consciously doing it or not. We all kind of have our little habits and ways of going about things. And we establish and kind of cultivate these little routines of how we repeatedly do things in our lives. And by way of planning, what I indicate is that a lot of times we like to think things through. We kind of like to get everything lined up and then follow a format. And some, even more than others, really gravitate towards the planning end of the spectrum. Some people I meet kind of really, they like a neat and orderly life. And everything's kind of thought through and charted out. And they're one of those kind of people. They never go outside of the lines. And you better not either. And, and they kind of like to keep everything within the lines and they like to follow their format and work their plan. And, uh, and listen, uh, making plans, having habits in our lives, uh, they're not bad or negative things in and of themselves. They're certainly at times, honestly, to be very realistic, something very beneficial about certain habits and disciplines. There's something very beneficial about certain plans spiritually. I think certain spiritual disciplines and habits bring stability and bring safety to our lives. For example, I hope you have the habit of opening your Bible every single day and letting God speak to you. That's a habit that's way better than a lot of the bad habits we usually do keep. That's a good habit. I hope you have a habit of every day not being able to get through the day without getting to a quiet place and having a quiet heart and putting aside your phone and every other human being and just sitting alone with God. And talking to Him about what's going on in your life and letting Him say something to you through His Word and by His Spirit. These are good habits that help us. They're safe and keep us stable. And certainly certain spiritual plans that we have by by kind of being uh, intentional spiritually help keep us moving forward in our spiritual life and being productive in our relationship with the Lord. However, making plans with our lives, like anything, can get out of balance. Uh, And we can tend to get a little out of balance with some of our plans. We can get a little too comfortable or confident in the ideas that we develop or uh, we kind of persistently follow the plan that we have and we kind of see it and then we just chase after it. And what can happen is we begin to easily ignore sometimes the reality, listen, that God may have a different plan. God may actually even have a better plan a better plan that maybe we thought or envisioned or imagined or just so strongly assumed that this is, this is just how it's going to go. I know it because that's the way I want it to go and that's the way it should go. And, and God may have a better plan. He may have a completely different plan. Sometimes I find with God, not just because I think he has somewhat of a divine sense of humor, sometimes the, 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 the direction between here and there is not always a straight line. Sometimes we think, well, from here to there, just a straight line, that's the shortest and most correct route. But sometimes, listen, God dwells outside of the time realm continuum. God may take me right and then take me left and take me backward, then take me partway forward, then backward one more time. And then eventually brings me forward to where I'm supposed to go. And this may be just a part of what God's doing, keeping us walking by faith. And the danger and habits and disciplines and sometimes pre-made plans is, The danger in that out of balance is they can lead us to make the mistake of what the Bible calls quenching the spirit. And what that refers to is when we restrict and we sort of hold back, if you would, the leading of the spirit of God in our lives. And this passage gives to us warning and instruction about being over rigid, maybe in some of our routines that we develop. And clinging too tightly to them sometimes, almost in a legalistic way, where we couldn't imagine that God might want us to be flexible once in a while. That God may even want us maybe to read our Bible at lunch instead of first thing in the morning. Or that God may want us to actually do something a little bit differently in serving Him than we had. And we have to be open to these kind of things, or being maybe too self confident in our pre made plans that we're just so sure that we're going to pursue because sometimes we fail to remember. And this is what James is going to say to us today. We don't have ultimate control over what's going to unfold in this life. We just don't. That's something that's God's prerogative. The Lord's will is what is going to come to pass. And I need to be submitted to this. And I ultimately need to recognize following the Lord's leading is more important, listen, than fulfilling my idea. Following the leading of the Lord, that's way more important than pursuing and fulfilling my idea. Look with me in verse 13 as James begins to address this. He starts out by saying, verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there and we'll buy and we'll sell and we'll make a profit. What James is gonna begin to do here, we see in verse 13, is he's challenging the person who's self-confidently making their own plans, presuming upon the future in their life to a very strong degree. And, And they're very certain of what the future holds ahead. They're being very presumptuous. And what I mean by that is they're confidently assuming that something is going to happen. They're very confidently banking upon and in a presumptive way, just assuming this is what's going to come to pass when there's no real guarantee that that's really what will unfold. If you look at the text there in verse 13, notice this person that James is describing, they've actually decided how everything's going to go. I mean, they have it all planned out. They know when they're going. They know who's going. They know what's going to happen and what's going to take place. And now they're confidently talking out loud, (laughs) telling other people, hey, here's my plan. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go there and be in that spot and for this long. And this is what's going to come to pass. I mean, If you really contemplate what he's saying there in the text in verse 13, look at it. First of all, they know when they're going to do things. They say today or tomorrow. In other words, I'm doing this in the very near future. In the very near future, this is when it's going to happen. So they've, they've planned out when it's going to happen. They know who, who's going to be involved. We will go. So that maybe they've kind of selected exactly who's going to be a part of this plan in their life. And they've identified this is the person that I'm going to do that with. And they know where they're going to such and such a city. They know exactly where they're going to be. They know exactly how long they're going to be there. They have the timing all figured out. We're going to spend a year there. This is the one year plan. They probably had a five-year plan, too. That's popular today, right? What's your five-year plan? What's your one? They they know exactly. They've set the time frame. This is happening within this time frame. This is exactly how it's going to unfold. They know what they're going to do. We're going to buy and sell. So they have all their activities predetermined. This is exactly what we're going to be doing. And on top of that, they are certain that it's going to succeed. We'll make a profit. Hey, I know when I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, who I'm doing it with, and I'm certain it's gonna work, because it's a good plan. I looked at it all on paper. It lines up with everything that I ever wanted to do. They have it all figured out and planned out perfectly. The only problem is, the language clearly indicates, they've never really consulted God on the whole matter. They never really put the plan in for a divine purchase order before they just stamped it and move forward with it they just came up with this plan is this really what god wants for them james is going to say are these the lord's purposes for the future are those things being considered they have their plan very well thought through you have to give them credit for that it's very well thought through but they did not take in count the one really important matter is this really god's will is this really god's will this plan the purpose, the intention, what's going to happen, whether mistakenly or willfully, they disregarded God in their plans. That's the mistake James is getting to. Whether it was consciously done that they didn't want to include God because they really want to do what they want to do, or whether they just kind of mistakenly, as we can sometimes in our weakness of our flesh, we just kind of you know, accidentally just disregard God. It's their idea. It's what they desire. It really looks good on paper, but is it in line with God's will? And this is what the Bible is trying to draw to our attention because sometimes like what we see in verse 13, we can all do the same thing. We neglect to consult God and we selfishly start chasing down a path and our zeal maybe to do something maybe we've always had this lifelong idea from when we were young this is kind of what we're going to do and how it was going to happen and and we have it all charted out or maybe we just get this really great idea and we're going to try what we think would be a great idea or maybe you're just a really ambitious person i mean you're a go-getter you and sitting do not go together you've got to be doing something yo, everybody you got to be doing something rest is just i mean that's unspiritual man you got to be doing something you got to be achieving the next thing climbing the next mountain and we dream and envision and get all these things planned out and we get excited and then we start talking about our plans like here in verse 13 we're telling people about what's on the horizon and what we're going to do again maybe like in this text here maybe you're a christian businessman or something in sales or vocationally and and again you're you're kind of planning okay this is what i'm going to do and this is the this is the path i'm going to take or we're going to launch out in this way in business or we're going to generate this much sales in the first year and so on and so forth or maybe it's just planning some aspect of your future maybe it's what your career goal is well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to school for that, and this many years, and it's that, and I'm going to be this, and and we can plan out our career path or our, our our pursuits for ahead, or maybe it's some relocation, or 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 where we're going to go to school, and how it's going to all work out, or maybe it's even a relationship, you know? Okay, I'm going to this and that, and within a year that's going to happen, and then that morning and we're going to do that, and then and, and and we chart it all out, don't we? We chart it all out. And we have all these ideas and on occasion we get so busy pondering and planning we neglect this thing called patiently praying and bringing the matter before God and and laying at the feet of the Lord and saying, Lord, I have these ideas. I have these desires. Listen, God writes His will on the fleshly tablet of our hearts sometimes god gives us the desire of our hearts we're going to talk about that nothing wrong with desires and ideas and vision and and making plans in and of themselves but sometimes we forget to patiently pray and ask the lord if this is what he intends if it lines up with his purposes and the danger is we don't allow the lord to give us his thoughts on the matter and sometimes which i think we all can admit to some degree we've been guilty of Is what happens is if we fail in this way, we launch out into something and sometimes we can be completely off track and we launch out into some direction or some pursuit and we're outside of God's will and God's best. You know, it's interesting. We find a repeated warning in the book of Proverbs should jot this down. If you're a note taker, Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 16, 25, there's a repeated statement in the Bible. Now, listen. God's incredibly wise, all-knowing. He knows everything. Could you imagine how big the Bible really could be if God said, let me tell you everything I know. This is, I mean, this is a pretty substantial size book. So the Holy Spirit, whatever's in here, has given to us purposely, intentionally what he's given to us. And by that, I mean this. When you find something repeated in the Bible... It's important to take note because it's not like God was going, I I need something else. I need a filler here. One of you angels got an idea. I mean, I just, I'm having a, it's not as as if somehow God wrote it again. Oh, I forgot I already said that. No, it's God purposely, intentionally put it in there repeatedly. Here's what God repeats twice in the book of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death that's pretty strong there's a way it seems so right I know this is right this is the right way I know it I feel it I sense it I see it everybody else is telling me this is the right way and the Bible says that there could be a way that seems right to man and it actually isn't just dangerous it can actually be deadly it can actually destroy our life or destroy maybe just the good things that God wanted to give life to within our experience with him. Proverbs 19:21 says this: "There are many plans in a man's heart, nevertheless, the lord's counsel that will stand. And Proverbs 16:9 says, "A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps." You know as we think about this, some people tend to always be those kind of individuals where they're always thinking about new ideas. Uh, some people one of their uh, you know kind of personality tendencies is is they have trouble being settled and, and so they're always kind of like th- looking for the, n- the new thing the novel thing you know in the same way some people can't wait for the next device to come out you know the i don't even know what the next one is i'm not one of these people you can tell the, the next number of the phone or so oh wait this one i mean this is three months old the next device came out gotta get the next one but I get the new one? And some people are kind of almost like that in the way they live their life. They're always after the next thing and, and they struggle with kind of being settled. They, just, they don't know how to just be settled once in a while. So it's always the, the next this or the next opportunity or the next location or the next pursuit and they're, they're always kind of chasing there's sort of a drive for novelty They just can't be settled in something for a season of life or a a period of time. They're always sort of looking for the new thing, something exciting. They keep having ideas and got to check the new thing out or chase after the next thing. And and other people by nature also tend to be, as we think about these things, a little bit of uh, maybe more prone to planning than other people are. And like verse 13 here, they're, they're very prone to want to plan things out, to always know what's next. They feel more secure if they have an agenda and they're following the strategy and the agenda. And let me just say, God is not opposed to either one of those two things. I want to say that. God is not opposed to new seasons and new steps. Sometimes the Lord is directing us to do a new thing. Sometimes the Lord is leading us to take a a new step in a new direction or enter into a new season. As well, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with wise planning. Planning isn't completely in line with the will of God. It's not unscriptural. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments as we get to our next verses. The Bible, hear me before we move on. The Bible is only against presumptuous plans that we pursue after that don't take God into account where we just presumptuously make a plan and launch right into that plan and we disregard God's will in the process. Again, whether we consciously did it because we just really want to do our thing or we sort of unconsciously just chased after something passionately because we wanted it so much and we failed to stop and take God into account first and check with God in regards to it. So let's look at the danger of being presumptuous as James goes on, verse 14. Here's his answer to this. He wants to give some counsel. He says, whereas, you have this idea, you do not know, verse 14, what will happen tomorrow? For what is your life, he says? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So James gives some sound reasoning here why it's foolish to plan overconfidently. And the first thing he indicates there in verse 14, the reason why it's foolish to plan over confidently, is very simply you could say our limitation as humans. Our limitation as humans. We cannot know what the future holds. You see what he says there in the text, verse 14? Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. That's a limitation to humanity. We don't know what's going to happen. Not one of us has any idea what the next day holds. Let alone the next week, right? Or the next month or the next year. James is basically challenging here saying, here you are talking about your plans for the next year. And James says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're talking about what you're going to do a year from now. You don't even know what may happen tomorrow. Does any human being really know what tomorrow holds on this earth? Let North Korea just push a button. Things might change a little bit. Does any human being really know what's going to happen in their life tomorrow? We we don't know this. We might perceive or maybe have a pretty good sense of what we think may happen in the future or what may happen in the future. However, there's no certainty it will be such or promise it's going to go the way we expect it to go. We might be decent at forecasting, but biblically, we're never even guaranteed tomorrow on this earth as human beings. Nor that if tomorrow comes, if it does, that it's going to be what I expected it was going to be for my life. Or that if tomorrow comes, what's going to happen is what I think is going to happen tomorrow. I have to humbly accept my limitation as a human, which is what James says here, you do not know what, is going to happen tomorrow. Again, the writer of Proverbs, Book of Great Wisdom, says Proverbs twenty seven one, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what listen, you do not know what a day may bring forth. Don't boast about tomorrow confidently and rely confidently tomorrow things will be the same, because he says, You don't know what one day might bring forth one day might bring forth a complete change. The fact is, many people's lives, this is not true, have been radically changed in 24 hours. Something happens. Something good happens. Some unexpected blessing. Something wonderful happens and all of a sudden, the whole world can turn around. And everything that was going horrible and south and negative, in one day, something can happen and everything can turn around. There can be a breakthrough in a beautiful way. In the same way, something very bad or negative or hard or difficult can happen, some tragedy or hardship, and all of a sudden, in one day, everything in life changes. Everything turns around. It's completely different. The honest reality is we know nothing about tomorrow because that's a human limitation. That is a sole and distinct attribute of God Himself that makes Him distinct as God, that He's omniscient and that he has foreknowledge and that God is omniscient it means that God is all-knowing he knows everything about everyone and there's nothing that God can learn that he doesn't already know or he's not aware of we don't share that as human beings God's all knowing he's omniscient and God has therefore what the Bible calls foreknowledge which means God also knows what's going to happen tomorrow next week next month should it come because he has foreknowledge we don't have that as human beings Yet God knows what's going to take place. The Bible says of him in Isaiah and Jesus himself says regarding God, he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He spans the beginning and the end, which means he also knows the beginning and the end. Psalm 139 says of our own lives, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be before one of our days began the moment that that we were conceived jeremiah says before i was knit together in my mother's womb you knew me in other words preconception god already knew the sex of this child god already knew the plan and 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 what jeremiah's life would be about because god knows all things so no life on this planet does not have value From God's perspective every life has value no matter how it was conceived every life has total value and God knows the record of exactly every day and everything that's going to happen with that life it says all of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be God knows every single detail of what's going to happen each and every day of every one of our lives because God dwells outside of the time realm continuum And so sometimes, because he already knows all things and he already knows what next day, next week, next month holds, because of that, sometimes, and I emphasize sometimes, the Lord may give us revelation of what's coming ahead. I believe this is possible. This is what prophecy is. God can say what's going to happen a year from now or 50 years from now and be point on, spot on, because God already spans everything. So to him, everything's present. Because he's God. He's outside of the time realm continuum. So God may prophetically give us a word of prophecy regarding something happening in our life. I've experienced this before regarding my own life from others. God may give a word of knowledge. God may give a dream or some just internal preparation to kind of let us be prepared. However, I think those occasions are typically the exception, not the norm usually the norm is i know for my life and yours is usually i find we discover life here how usually kind of one page at a time you kind of live the day and then at the end of the day you go to bed and it's like okay next day and you kind of one day at a time one page at a time find out what's happening that day as you go through the day And, and we don't know what the next chapter holds in our life truly We don't have that awareness. And so therefore, James says, how utterly foolish to overplan confidently because we don't share this attribute that God says. We are limited as humans. The other things that James wants us to say is why it's not good to plan overconfidently and be presumptuous in our attitudes. He also says in verse 14, is our lifespan as humans is frail and short?" you see what he says? Verse 14, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. James is speaking here of the brevity of life. When he says our life is a vapor, the idea there is, is like uh, steam. Uh, you know, if you've ever perhaps you know, seen water touch something very hot and, sss and steam goes off, how, how long does that steam last? It's, it's very quickly gone. And he's saying this is what the human life is like in the perspective of eternity. The Bible says the human life is like a breath. It's like a vapor. And so James asks this searching question in verse 14. He says, Really, what is your life? What is it? What is your life? He's saying, Is your life really, truly something that's in your complete control? Is it really? Is it really completely in your control? What happens? How long you're going to stay alive? Whether you're going to live or not, let me just ask a simple question. How many times since we began this Bible study have you made sure to think about to keep your heart beating? How many times did you constantly think, oh, I better breathe again? That's called involuntary muscles. God knows we're not smart enough to do that on our own. So he created those things to work by his authority and control. So what is your life? Are you really that in control of it? Am I really that in control of my life and going to determine all these things? You know, again, life is short. He answers the question there. Our life is just a vapor for a little time and then it vanishes away. The shortness, the brevity of life in comparison to eternity. David said there's but a step between me and eternity. A step. Just a step. So often that's the case. Remind us of the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Let me read it to you. Jesus told this story. He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down these barns and build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have made many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus tells this story of this individual so confident, so sure, again, self-made and and, 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 hey, I got everything. And so I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, your life's going to be over tomorrow. How foolish. You lived as if you're going to live this long and and, and yet this very night your soul is required of you. And again, have we not all to some degree seen this kind of sad surprise come into people's lives sometimes? Where all of a sudden an unexpected illness comes into a family and there was this complete confidence we'd have 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years together still. Then all of a sudden in a day. It all changes and we have no control to stop it, to make it not happen. All of a sudden a sudden death or a, a tragedy and all of a sudden, and, and isn't it sad it really truly is how it takes something like that so often to be the thing to like awaken us again to this reality? The tragedy is, is then often half the time it's, it's too late by that point because then we've missed the opportunity. How important for us, especially as believers, to realize our lives are a lot less permanent than what we often think they are. And that I often live like and make decisions like. And and, and the way that my perspective is, often our lifestyles fail to indicate that we believe in the brevity of life. Listen, I'm not saying we should be irresponsible here and foolish. Oh, we're going to die tomorrow anyway, so let's just charge up all the credit cards. And just, listen, I, I did not say that in church. Please don't say that. That's called dumb. That's a prophetic word. But what we should do is have an attitude where we realize, listen, yes, I need to be responsible and prudent and think ahead. However, I also need to recognize that I'm told to number my days that I may gain a hard one, that this is the day that the Lord has made. See, in light of these things, by way of application for us, because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we can't control that because life is short, we ought to, I'll tell you this for sure, we ought to live very close to the one who does know what tomorrow holds. And that's God. There is no wiser way, no safer way, no smarter way to live your life than to let God lead your life. Because God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He already knows the entire road map. He knows the events of the future circumstantially and for your life personally. He has the record of the next chapter. Who better to allow to direct your life? I don't even know what's on the next page. God already knows the next three chapters. He even knows the end of the book. Who better to say, "Lord, you have the book. You're the master plan." So to say in constant connection to him and say, "Lord, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of trying to live my life because for some reason I keep going back to chapter 6 and you're trying to get me to chapter 8 here." So, Lord, what would you how would you want to lead my life? And just to say truly, like that song, what was that song, "Jesus take the wheel." Just take the wheel, Lord. Take the wheel. Because you know where we're supposed to be going. You know the plans and purposes. And you know exactly how to guide me best because you know something I don't know, which is the future and my future. And there's no better place we can be than in line with the will of God and coming to a place where we truly... You know, I tell my daughters this all the time as they're getting to it. I say, listen, listen, what is the Lord calling you to do? I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what me and your mother did. I don't care the little plans and ideas and what all my friends are. What is the Lord calling you to do? Because if you get on the choo-choo that Jesus wants you to be on and you get on that track, everything, everybody, all the ramps that will all come in, all the things will intersect perfectly if you do that. Because if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added and given to our lives. You don't have to go chase down this exit ramp and turn off there and go on that detour and oh, I just, oh, another regret. Let me get back on track. Just what's the Lord leading you to do? Because he knows the future. There's no wiser thing that you can do than to just say, Lord, you lead because you know the future. And also I think too, this should be an exhortation that we should live for today. Don't waste time if there are right things that I know that I should do in my life, live each day and each season like it may be the last. It might be the last season. Time is short. How does that affect your approach each day? How should that affect your thinking and your decision and how you spend time and what you value and what you don't value in life? To say, listen, I know I could do this. I know everybody else does that with their time, but I don't know what the future holds. So I want to redeem my time. I want to invest in those things that are meaningful and most valuable because you have that concept. Well, verse 15, he says, instead, this is the best counsel. You ought to say, if the Lord wills. See, look, you can plan. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we shall live and we shall do this or that. So this is the proper way, you could say, to make plans and then to pursue them. Again, back to this point, to see As I pursue this plan, is it the Lord's plan? Is it in alignment with him? I want to emphasize again so you don't take out of balance. There is a proper way to plan in life as a believer. Planning actually is a good thing. It is a biblical thing. It is something God's word encourages us to do. Planning demonstrates things, listen, like wisdom and good stewardship it demonstrates vision and steps of faith. It demonstrates staying productive and making the most of the resources of our time and talent and energy and opportunities that God gives to us. It, you know, It is incredibly true. Those who aim at nothing hit nothing every time. And those who sit around and do nothing just go nowhere. So there's nothing wrong with planning and pursuing something. He just says the way we go about it is what matters. That it is okay to plan. Proverbs 21:15 says, The plans of the diligent surely lead to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely come to poverty. Again, the plans of the diligent. To make a plan, to prayerfully think some things through, use wisdom, then diligently work it. The Bible says that's the long-term steady path to success and stability and, and, and getting ahead and being productive but he says those who are just hasty and impulsive always chasing i got this new idea and i got that impulsive idea and and never really sort of using stewardship without he says that is is a fast track towards failure and disappointment and, and continually finding struggle in your life jesus tells us to count the cost before we build a tower he says evaluate if you have enough resources before you enter into some battle so there is a proper place for prayerful patient planning in fact some people and let me just say this honestly some people some christians particularly as well in an effort to be almost super spiritual some people never plan at all Some people go to the other extreme, they never plan out anything and that results in a lot of problems in their life because really they're just being poor stewards. And if I can say this ever so frankly, actually they're just being quite frankly lazy. And they're just being irresponsible in the way they do manage their money, in the way they do make their life decisions in the way they do manage what things are a part of their life. They don't take time to realistically evaluate things or properly prepare as they could have prepared. And as a result, that's why they do accomplish nothing. Or that's why they do find themselves in jams and problems. And sometimes failure is the direct result of just lack of just wise planning and and responsible stewardship sometimes and we want to blame it on everything else and the point is sometimes we maybe just should have planned a little better I found that out once or twice sometimes we don't plan at all the goal the point is as believers it's okay and often helpful to prayerfully plan we just don't want to put our trust and reliance in the plan itself do you understand what I mean by that we just want to be careful that we don't be so rigid and prideful we never allow God to alter our plan if needed whether it's a minor alteration or whether it is a major detour where the Lord says, wrong way, turn around, let's go do something else. We should plan while taking God's authority into account. That's what he says in verse 15. We should say instead, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. The idea there is recognition that the Lord is always in charge. If the Lord wills. That he's the ultimate authority. In Acts chapter 18, we see a reference of Paul living in this way. Paul the Apostle, as he lived out his life, it says he took leave of them saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return to you, listen, God willing. Paul knew where he was going. He said, hey, I'm, com- I'm going to return to you. I'm coming back again this year. I'm going to come back to you. He says, God willing. If God wills it, I will come back. But that's only if God wills it and if God permits it and allows it. On another occasion, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 19, said, I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. Paul sensed he was to do something. He says, I want to do this if the Lord wills it, if he allows it and lets it come to pass. So plan, pursue things, but accept that the Lord may redirect and I have to be willing to submit if that's the case. This is the important thing for us. We need to always leave the Lord, hear me, leave the Lord room. Leave the Lord freedom to rearrange things maybe at times, to adjust my agenda, maybe to take me on a detour. Maybe he might cancel one appointment and then open up another appointment. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. So we have a whole course lined out. This is the course, Lord. And maybe even I'm right on the course but maybe I got the steps all messed up. Who hasn't done that in the marriage area? I know the course. I want to get married. Right, but there may be a lot of steps before that happens. Oh, no, it's a one-step plan. I got a one-step plan. There may be a few steps. Let the Lord direct the steps. Let the Lord call the shots and guide. He has purposes. He's doing more than one thing at once. Our goal is we got to keep a light grip on things. And, and not be rigid and, and dogmatic the bible says our attitude is if the lord wills that is if he pleases if he permits if he desires if, if this is what the lord wills then we'll do this and again can i just say what does the word lord imply it implies he's an authority he's directing my life if the lord wills lordship means he's an authority he's in control and so we live our life in that way that's the right way to plan and to pursue things he says verse 16 but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil so so they should have been sincerely submitting their idea to the will of god james kind of challenges them he says look instead of bragging about what you're going to do he says you should be a little more prayerful and a little more humble in your attitude saying this is what we think if the lord wills We sense God's leading in this way. If the Lord wills, we'll do this. And that there would be that attitude of an open hand, of a heart of submission, because what James knows, as any Christian learns at times in their lives, that when a person becomes pushy and too overly persistent with trying to have their plan come to pass, often what takes place is that's an evidence of disregarding, listen, it's disregarding the authority of the Lordship of Jesus that's a bigger problem and therefore James says all such boasting this kind of self confidence you know ambitious it's going to happen because I'm going to make it happen I'm going to do it he says that's, that's becoming a little evil because I'm disregarding the authority of Jesus in my life where maybe Jesus may want to close a door, redirect and again what does the Bible tell us God opposes and resists the proud that's a dangerous place to be now look how James wraps this up in verse 17. He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So in order to maintain a godly perspective in all this, a humble openness to the Spirit, James says, therefore, in light of these things, the ideas, in light of these things, to him who knows to do good and then doesn't do it, to him is sin. In other words, in light of James's instruction here, what we've been talking about and looking at what he said, what James is saying is therefore, listen, if you know and if you realize and perceive that it would be good to maybe slow down, maybe to reevaluate your plan, and to prayerfully maybe be patient and think it through, to pause and seek, is this really the Lord's will if maybe we accidentally sort of disregarded God in the midst of it or maybe we consciously are just kind of chasing after something because our desires are strong for it. He says, if you know it would be good to slow down and to reconsider and to factor God's will into it and reevaluate your plans and then you ignore to do what you know is good and right and you just plow forward anyway and you just push forward in the midst of it. He says, let me be honest with you. That's disobedience against the Lord. Because he says, in essence, what you're doing is you're just shutting out the voice of God. And you're ignoring what the Lord is trying to say to you. You know what he's maybe saying or asking or showing and you're sinning against the voice of the Lord. You know to do good and yet you don't do it in disobedience. This verse deals with what we often call the sin of omission. We talk a lot as Christians about the sins of commission. That is, the Bible says, don't do that. And if you do it, thou shalt not steal. Well, if you steal, you've committed a sin. You violated and did something you're not supposed to do. Well, this is a reference to the sin of what you would say omission. That is omitting from doing something you are supposed to do. And this is just as much sin against the Lord. When we know what we ought to do and what God's asked of me, and then I don't do it, that is just as sinful from God's perspective. If I clearly know what God's shown me or what God said to me and I don't do that, that is rebellion against the voice and the authority of God. I'm disregarding God's instruction. I'm disregarding Jesus' direction in my life and I'm ignoring what he's testifying to me in my heart. And I'm not following through with it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do According to his will, he shall be beaten with many stripes. The idea is, he shall suffer greatly, for that's a severe violation to his master. Because he knew what his master told him to do, and he didn't prepare to do it, and he didn't follow through with it. He knew what his master said, but he chose not to do the right thing, the good thing that he knew he was supposed to do. And the Bible says that this... Is a sin before the Lord as well. And can I say, who does not fail here? A whole lot. A lot of times we're just not conscious we're doing it here so often. Now I can think of a few times this very week in preparing and thinking that I know I did this myself. When I knew the Lord was telling me to do something. Sometimes it's just in the smallest and subtle ways. And sometimes, quite frankly, my excuse is I'm tired, which is a better way of saying I'm selfish. Sometimes we know the Lord is telling us to do some good thing and it's often much harder to do what's right, is it not, than to refrain from doing what we know is wrong. It often takes much more sensitivity and submission to the Lord to do what he's telling us to. Maybe he says, you need to apologize. We know the good thing. We know we should apologize. We know we should say sorry and we just don't do it. We knew the good thing we should do, but we just don't do it. We, we quench the spirit, we refuse to do it. Sometimes the Lord says, you should really be quiet. No, you should you, really, you should really be quiet right now. Oh no, I got one or two more zingers left in me still, Lord. No, it would be good for you to really be quiet right now. And we know the good thing we ought, but we, we just don't do it. We know what we should do, but we don't do it. Sometimes the Lord says, I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to share the gospel. And this is an open door here. Be brave. Be bold. Ask a spiritual question. And we know that we're supposed to witness or share, right? And we don't do it. For fear or disobedience or the Lord says, go ask them how they're doing or call this person. Pray with this person. And we know the good thing he tells us to do, but we don't do it. Listen, what has the Lord shown you recently? What's the Lord been saying to you? What a fitting example, even before we close. Maybe the Lord is saying to one of you, even in this room this morning, you should obey me and be baptized. You know you haven't been baptized yet. Oh, if I do that, then people will think I'm a brand new Christian. That's embarrassing. Do you know why I use that example? I did that. I did that. I got radically saved month after I graduated high school I was so on fire for Jesus I was just radical turnaround but I didn't have an opportunity to get baptized for a few years then I remember they announced it at the church and I thought oh man man I'm like at least three years into this dude I don't want people to think I'm a brand new Christian all these I've been demonstrating and the Lord's like well you're proud dude what's the matter with you listen whatever it may be What has the Lord been saying to you? What has he been showing you to do? What's the good thing he's telling you to do? Maybe his plan, his purpose for your life. Perhaps some of you today, God is saying, the first step is last week's message, submit to God. Because listen, I tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, the best plan on earth is this. Very simple. It's the Lord's plan for your life. It's the Lord's plan for your life. What's he telling you to do? Don't sin against the Lord by not doing what you know he's telling you to do. Have faith. Be obedient. Have humility. Trust him. Doesn't matter what other people are saying. What's Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, saying to you? Obey him. It's the best plan in the world. Amen?